Welcome to All Caring Conversations. Your health and wellness matters. I'm your host, Tracy Dawn Brewer. Today, I'm really glad I get to share the conversation I had with one of our amazing wellness team members, Joy Benjamin. Joy is a repeat guest on our program, and for good reason. She makes topics like today's menopause easy to talk about and offers so much information. Listen in to our conversation to learn more. Welcome to a new episode of Alt Caring Conversations. Today, I get to speak with Joy Benjamin, one of our wellness team colleagues who has shared a wealth of information on our program before. Our conversation today, though, is going to be about menopause, which thankfully has become a hot topic in many health circles, and we're really glad to share some information with you today. So, Joy, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Tracy. Thanks for having me today. I really appreciate your time, and I'm really glad we're going to talk about this because I think at one time, menopause was not a subject discussed out in the open, and it's actually been during my lifetime, our lifetime, and it needs to be something that we feel like we have the ability to share and talk to one another. So, you know, why do you feel that that's finally changed? Have you seen that in the health circles that you're in? Well, I can tell you just speaking from the perspective of wellness, because obviously there's probably a lot of reasons that that has changed, you know, from socially and globally. But in our, yeah. in the, the focus of wellness, we definitely try our best to talk to both men and women about their health and to allow them a space to share openly about symptoms and concerns and issues that they're having. So we can then filter them to the right disciplines to help meet their needs. And in, in obviously in the course of that, we want to focus on the needs of women, the needs of men personally. And so when we're offering that space for them, we are hopefully allowing them to be a little bit more personal and to talk out loud and then to openly share with each other, of course, uh, about some of the concerns that they're facing and, and recognize that these two things are normal. All the things that we're experiencing one of the things I think that um, has been, I would say, more of a reoccurring theme is what is wrong with me? That's probably the number one statement people are saying is something's changing, something's wrong with me, but we can't quite put a pulse on it. And many over the years, and, and I know my parents and grandparents were raised to just sort of suppress that, you know, that's just what's expected of you, that it's you should just be going through these things. This is common yes. knowledge. But I think now women specifically, I, I can speak for many of us and say that we share with our friends, we share with our coworkers and in wellness, we want to continue to keep that sharing open-ended so that we can let people know there's nothing wrong with you, but there is something that's changing. And we want to address those changes because we don't have to walk it alone and we don't have to walk through it without having some resources and support and mechanisms in our lifestyle that we can adjust to make that walk a little bit easier. Yes, that's beautifully put. Absolutely. And I know that it's also a lot of education. I mean, you're learning something new about a stage in life. So can you share the meaning of menopause? And really, there's some actual different stages. There really are. Um, certainly what I was raised to understand and what so many women today still understand is that menopause is this period of time that we go through. And that is, in fact, not exactly the defined case. Definition of menopause is really and truly 
having no period for up to a full year. That is true menopause. What we experience when we have all of these symptoms saying, what the heck is wrong with me, is that stages of perimenopause, and they're actually two stages. So I've been really doing a lot of research and studying and trying to understand hormone balance in general for both men and women, but more specifically for women, because of course I am one, and because that seems to be where more hormone imbalance takes place is in the female body. And trying to correlate and understand that with nutrition and better help support folks' needs. But in perimenopause, what I truly have come to understand is that the two stages exist based on your age. So certainly it will vary per person because we're all biologically established differently. But typically in our 30s-ish, somewhere in that 30 range, maybe 35, maybe 37, we start to experience peri- ex- experience symptoms of perimenopause. And that is typically when the progesterone level starts to diminish. And when progesterone starts to diminish, we feel things. Progesterone is our happy hormone. It makes us feel peaceful. It makes us feel less anxiety. We sleep better. And in our 20s, we have ever fluctuating levels of both progesterone and estrogen on almost a daily basis. So we kind of roll with things. But as progesterone starts to diminish in that first phase, things start to change. Our second phase is then later into our late 30s, into early 40s, maybe closer to our 50s, depending on who we are. And that's when estrogen starts to diminish. When progesterone diminishes initially in in phase one, estrogen can become very wildly imbalanced. Mm. But then in phase two of perimenopause, estrogen starts to fully diminish itself over periods of time. And we experience even more symptoms at that point. Okay. So you said perimenopause, and then we have menopause. Is there a third? Well, there's the two stages of perimenopause. First, the is the two stages of perimenopause. Okay. Our progesterone okay, drops. And the second phase is when the estrogen level starts. Now I understand. And as a female going through this, <laughs> I'm always trying to figure out like, what stage am I in? Where am I at in this? And so I know I've asked you many times and many questions. So thank you for clarifying. It's very confusing. <laughs> So, uh, so are there particular life events or things that happen um, that could push you into menopause? I know that you said different ages based on your biological makeup, but you could also, you know, if someone has a hysterectomy, that throws them into menopause too. Is that correct? It is correct. Obviously, it yeah. hysterectomy, we lose the ability to produce our hormones when our ovaries have left our body. Now, our adrenal glands do produce some level of hormone, and when we oh have reached menopause and have completed that first full year without a period, the adrenal glands will produce some level of hormone through the course of our life. It is not a significant percentage as our ovaries would produce. So ovaries produce about 90% of it. Your adrenals get somewhere in the neighborhood of 10%. And that's, you know, that's to be questioned. Um, And so we still will get some level But yes, a hysterectomy can do that. And I'm certain if you speak with your doctor, they can talk about other life events that would necessarily cause that. Um, If you have a partial hysterectomy and you continue to keep your ovaries, the goal obviously is to continue to keep producing. And it certainly depends on the body. It depends on stress level because cortisol is a hormone that can wreak absolute havoc, as we've been told in many, many different times before areas of wellness. But cortisol can have a very negative effect on the ovaries' ability to produce those hormones. And let's face it, when we lose an organ of our body, 
the body just does not work the same way homeostatically or in balance as it used to before. So there can be some certain changes that maybe take place a little earlier. Um, mm-hmm. depending, again, great conversation to have with your gynecologist about that. Yeah, absolutely. And that's just one of the reasons I wanted to just mention that is because there's a lot of medical things that go along with menopause and you really want to have a conversation and really establish a great relationship with your PCP and get that conversation rolling early so they can monitor how you're feeling and have a baseline of where things are as you do age. So let's talk about some symptoms that we will experience going into perimenopause and menopause and talk about those changes in the body. Absolutely. I just want to touch on something that you just mentioned about having that relationship with your gynecologist. Yeah. That is like, that is an imperative component to this because oftentimes we establish that relationship, especially if we are a woman who happens to be having babies or we happen to be in a place where we even maybe are trying not to have babies. So either which way we're either looking at fertility or looking at trying to stay in that realm of not developing, um, not having children. Either way, we typically have a a relationship in our 30s, if you will, in in our 20s. And then that starts to diminish over time as our bodies start to change and we don't necessarily have the quote unquote need any Mm -hmm. longer. And then we stop going to see that gynecologist for whatever the reason is. And this is a key time that we absolutely should still be going. We should still be having these conversations, still be having these exams because our risk factors increase as we age. So we need to continue to establish that relationship. And when we're experiencing these symptoms that are making you say, what is wrong with me? Again, that is a conversation to have with your doctor so that they can help you navigate these waters a little bit better. Back to point. The you, thank you that you mm-hmm. asked about. Um, there are a couple of different types and sets of symptoms, if you will. And again, it depends on the stage. So when we're talking about that first stage where progesterone level starts to leave our bodies and stop producing as well as it used to, And we kind of lose a little bit of our peacefulness. We might experience a little more anxiety than we used to. We might experience less less restful sleep. And of course, if you are having children or you're not having children, you still might have those first 20 in the the mid 20s to early 30s where you're like, my sleep is not exactly quite spot on. If it is, that's a beautiful thing. Embrace it because it doesn't last. Um, But when you start to experience that, it could be potentially related to a, a drop in your progesterone levels. You might be experiencing um, a little bit more of where your periods start to come a little bit closer together. That can start to happen with progesterone level diminishing or even further apart because if progesterone is diminishing, then we're struggling to get kind of regularity with those those menstrual cycles. Um, When it comes to estrogen levels going to diminish, some different things that you'll notice a little bit more um, blaring concerns, if you will. It could mimic depression or feelings of depression, which by the way, can also be skewed if you have a low vitamin D level, or if you're experiencing some low iron or vitamin B12 levels, some of those symptoms mimic each other. So getting good blood work done with vitamin levels is imperative during this time. Hot flashes, night sweats, where you're waking up with puddles, um, irritability, more irritability than normal, things that you maybe used to be able to manage all of a sudden now just does not feel as manageable as it used to having more mood swings where you kind of feel up and down irregularly and almost feel like a little tiny bit out of control with your feelings. Um, Some women might experience more bladder infections during this time when estrogen levels diminish, or they might decrease in their libido and have lack desire, which can happen obviously in your thirties when you're exhausted and trying to 
you know, do the things that whether you're a, a career focused person and you're pouring yourself into that or whether you're balancing both career and children or whether you have children and you're just trying to manage that life, we can experience that same symptom from just a, just really lacking that energy and lacking that desire. Increasing in joint pain, brain fog is a great big one. Brain fog is very heavy um, when estrogen levels diminish and a, it, it's a, it becomes a big part of how our body is using our energy resources, believe it or not, and the way that the cells in the mitochondria change in our body and the way we use energy can create that brain fog. Um, and then irregularities, obviously, in your period, sometimes heavier than normal, and then potentially cysts on ovaries can start to develop as estrogen levels start to change. So those are all some symptoms, and there's there's a, a wide range there, but yeah. those are typically more focused on the second stage of perimenopause. Yeah, yeah, that those are that's a great list. There were some that I didn't even realize were symptoms that you mentioned, and mm-hmm. it's eye opening, you know, what we go through. <laughs> it is. It is. And to know that we're not alone. I know we are not. And that's the thing. You just never spoke about it. And I remember my mother talking to her sisters and the change. And that's why they've referred to it, this the, the change. And you just yes. didn't talk about what that was. And that has to stop. It really it does. Stop. <laughs> the more that we can support each other in this and the more that we can get men to understand this process, too, because mm-hmm. let's face it. They're struggling with us, whether yes. they are a sister, have a sister, have a mother that's experiencing it, have a wife, have a girlfriend, whatever the case, those men are involved in women's lives in some way, shape or form. And it's imperative for men to truly be able to understand what's happening um, to these women as we go through these different stages. You yeah. know, I, I listened to one gynecologist describe these changes one time and I thought, wow, that really put to light for me personally what's happening in our bodies and in our brains and in our, in our, our moods and our behaviors. And she explained that there's something called the householder syndrome is what they describe it as. And householder syndrome is when our progesterone and estrogen levels are fluctuating every day. And we have this yes perspective. We say yes to everything. We're accommodating to everyone's needs. And we're trying to meet the needs of anyone in our, in our circle that whether it's work, whether it's family. And as that changes and we start to diminish in our progesterone and estrogen, then we kind of what we call step into our power. Now we're saying no to things that we normally would have said yes to. We're saying, we're speaking out about how we truly really feel. And that kind of changes and is viewed sometimes as a more irritable type of person when in fact, it's more honest. It's more truthful. It's more of who we truly are and who we want to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know my filter has gone away. <laughs> and I, I hate <laughs> It's easy for that to happen. And you sometimes ask yourself, who is this person? I know. And I'm like, where did that strength come from? Oh, it's always been there. And right there. It's and, and I think that it's important that we view this as strength rather than yeah. a deficit or rather than a weakness, because it is a strength. And there's a lot of power to be brought to this if we look at it the right way. I agree. Absolutely. Our episode today is brought to you by our provider directory. We can't emphasize enough how important it is to have a great relationship with your primary care physician, also known as your PCP. Visit altcare.com and click find a provider to start the process if you need to connect with one today. 
I'm a very optimistic person, so I'm always trying to find the bright side, the positive and something. So this Good is something you. I've always had to look at somewhere. There's some positivity in this because it is a lot. <laughs> yes, dig through and see the good. <laughs> and so you are one of our wonderful registered dietitians. And I know you've worked with so many people. And have you found ties to nutrition and managing this men- these menopause symptoms? I've actually found significant ties to nutrition, which is really what I was looking for in all of this. How can I, as a dietitian, help these ladies that come in front of me and tell me on a regular basis, I feel awful. I have gone through all of these changes. My weight will not stop going up. I'm not changing what I'm eating. I'm starting to exercise or I have never exercised or do I have to exercise or you know, all of those things, as well as supplementation. Do I take any supplements? I'm reading this and I'm reading that. And so I really wanted to dig into this and get a better pulse on why is this actually happening? And there's something called a metabolic crisis that we are experiencing when we start going through these changes. There's so many pieces to this. So I'm going to try to really simplify this. Um, First of all, we've mentioned cortisol being a huge component in our life, men and women alike. We both experience significant stress through the course of our life. As we experience that and cortisol wreaks havoc in our system, it can cause blood sugar levels to go up naturally. This is without having diabetes. So we're talking just the average person with no diagnosis of diabetes. Your blood sugar levels will go up because it's an actual response of the body to need energy, to be able to fight against whatever it is that we are experiencing that stress from, because stress's response is really, if you are, for an example, scared, right? Or you are in in an environment where you've got to work hard and work fast to save yourself, to save your life. So you're going to get an energy resource into the body as a result. So blood sugars will go up, insulin levels can go up, and that's part of the metabolic crisis. But the other piece of that is that during these times of our life, we metabolically change. You hear all this all the time. People will say your metabolism goes down. That's not what's happening. What's happening is the cells of our body are not using glucose like they used to. The mitochondria stop using glucose well. And so what's happening is we're eating the same way, but yet our body is not taking and using that glucose as energy and storing it in the cell creating this metabolic issue. And so insulin levels go up, blood sugar levels go up, just naturally speaking, not in a diabetic realm. And then insulin's favorite job is to store body fat. So what's it going to do with that extra glucose? Take it and store it around our center sections and our hips and legs where we don't want it to be, but that's where it settles itself. And it starts to work up the backside of us. And we think, where is all of this body fat? And I've not really changed that much about my eating habits. So as I'm learning and reading about this, I'm understanding that we need to change the way that we eat. We can't eat like we did in our 20s and in our teens. We have to start looking at nutrition differently. And so food quality matters, but the types of food choices and the balance in which we eat them. We used to be able to consume carbohydrates pretty regularly, pretty easily. We have to be really focused on cutting down on some of those glucose-containing foods, I'm not talking about cutting out fruit, like the like the internet will tell you that fruit is so bad for you. Fruit contains fructose, but it's the only kind of sugar our humans were meant to consume. We need to cut down on starchy processed foods. We need to increase the vegetables in our diet. And very, very specifically, there are, there are certain categories of vegetables that are significantly important to hormone balance. 
Cruciferous vegetables contain sulforaphane, which is so significant in improving the balance of our hormones and regulating our hormones, not just our sex hormones, but our endocrine hormones in general. So from the thyroid, from the adrenal gland, certainly the pancreas, making certain that those kind of work in sync together. So cruciferous vegetables include broccoli, cauliflower, every type of cabbage you can think of, purple, green cabbage, Napa cabbage, um, Brussels sprouts, asparagus, all of those are key components to our diet and should be a part of our diet at least daily, if not at least five to six times in the day or in the week, excuse me. Five to six times in the week. Sorry, I had to think about what I was just saying there. Yeah, first. no, that, that's good. The second piece of that is sprouts. Sprouts are so important. Alfalfa sprouts, broccoli sprouts are even better. But getting sprouts in there so nutrient dense and adding those to things like sandwiches and salads and wraps is very, very important for, to keep sex hormones specifically in balance, especially for women who are experiencing menopausal symptoms or premenopausal symptoms or perimenopausal symptoms, whatever those cases might be, because we have all three of those, by the way. And then there's supplements, certainly that do help support you in the process of this. There are certainly when you speak with your gynecologist, there are vitamin levels that can be measured and should be measured truly when you're looking at getting a panel of information done. And so some of those vitamin levels are B-complex for sure, vitamin D. Every person should be getting a vitamin D level checked at least yearly to see where our stores are at. Because in this state, we don't get the vitamin D we need from the sun because we don't have access to the sun like we wish we could. But vitamin D, B-complex, folic acid could be another one that needs to be looked at to make sure that your, balance, your hormones are able, able to stay in the process that your body allows them to. Those are all great supplements to also start taking if you need to. Vitamin C, early on with the decrease in progesterone in our early 30s, vitamin C can be very supportive to progesterone production. So it might be that you need a vitamin C supplement earlier in your years. There are some herbal supplements that women can be taking or can be exploring at minimum and doing some research on or some reading on to determine if that really is right for them. And a great conversation, again, to have with your gynecologist. You definitely want a practitioner who is going to look at all of these pieces with you and have this direct conversation, this open conversation. There are lots of different types of ways that we can support our hormones through exercise. It's imperative that we keep moving our bodies during this time. So we have to be able to focus on eating well, getting exercise, and of course, observing great sleep habits or at least protecting our sleep as best as we can. It, it will not always be perfect, of course, but trying to protect that quality sleep as often as we can and trying to measure that in at least seven to eight hour increments is so significant to hormone balance because when we don't get adequate sleep, our appetite, excuse me, the hormones that suppress our appetite can be diminished during that next day. Gotcha. Wow. That's great information. That's so many things that you can talk in depth about with your doctor. It's Very so much. important. Yeah. Because I, I mean, from personal experience, I know the labs that I have had in the last few years have all been geared to exactly what you've said. And that's made decisions on what vitamins I need to take and what I need to increase or decrease. And 
it's it's incredible. Like when I used to fill out the form when you go to the doctor when they said what medicines, I was like, well, they don't care that I'm taking like a multivitamin. Oh no, no, no. You need to put all of that down. They need to know that. And that is something you have to investigate with your blood work and and the labs that you get. Yeah. And you know, in terms of supplements, one thing that I think is so important to know though is that when we're talking about taking vitamin supplements, that's not the cure. That's not the be all no. That's a support mechanism for doing the lifestyle habits. So mm-hmm. you can't you can't really take enough supplements to make to make it um, to make changes unless you're making those those changes in your lifestyle in conjunction with that supplementation. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And you just can't take that pill and and it's going to work. It's magic. You have to eat better and you have to exercise to make everything work together. Absolutely. Are there any other common labs that we need to ask for or or realize that we're getting um, during this time other than just our basic panel blood work? Well, the conversation with your gynecologist should certainly include where he or she believes you are at in what stage of, of your perimenopause. And so they determine which hormone levels need to be addressed. It's never a bad idea to suggest getting thyroid levels checked. Free T3, free T4 are great ones. Usually the gynecologist will, will go ahead and put that in anyway. The vitamin levels specifically D folic acid and B complex. I cannot say enough to you about taking a B complex supplement for women who are experiencing perimenopausal symptoms at any point in their life from their thirties all the way in through B complex. The job of B complex vitamins is to help your body use your energy stores. And one of the symptoms of perimenopause is just a sluggish, horrible (laughs) lack of energy. And sometimes it hits, you know, I hear this afternoon coffee break or this afternoon caffeine kick that we need legitimate because our energy levels start to plummet and they don't really return till the next day. (laughs) It's hard to say to somebody, you really need to cut back on that caffeine when they're thinking, yes, but I can't make it through the rest of the day. And I still have to go home and do X, Y, and Z to accommodate whomever happens to live in my household besides me. Right. (laughs) So so it makes it very tough, but I will say the caffeine use is suppressive to your hormone balance for sure. There's a couple of things that definitely um, are what we call uh, hormone dysregulators, or and I'm sure there's all kinds of other terminology that can be used. But one of those things certainly is caffeine. Sugar is another, but so is alternative sweeteners. So it's important that mm. we're not turning towards using that sweet craving that we may or may not have to go, okay, well, I'm going to go with sugar-free products instead, because that does not serve the body well either. It, our, our best option truly is focusing on whole foods. There's some specific diet strategies out there that, that are options. Um, and it certainly depends on the person and how that works for them. But ultimately the answers are whole food based, whether you're plant-based or whether you're not plant-based and you're using uh, meat and poultry and fish as your protein sources, we absolutely need high quality protein, every meal, sometimes with snack, Some folks respond well to intermittent fasting during this time. Intermittent fasting, if it's done correctly, can help lower those fasting insulin levels that might be causing you to gain weight. But remember that eating during those periods of time where that intermittent fasting allows, good quality whole food eating is imperative. Getting those cruciferous vegetables in, getting in good healthy fat. That's something I haven't mentioned yet. 
And this is an area where historically, as women and men, we have cut back on our fat intake. And what Mm -hmm. ends up happening is we're using alternatives to that fat. So we're looking for something to fill in the void. Fat provides satiety. It provides a, a carrier molecule for fat soluble vitamins. It helps our body to also establish and re um, produce hormones. So we need to have that fat, good quality fat coming from nuts and seeds, from quality oils, from salmon, fatty fish, tuna could be another sardines, not commonly used, but again, a good fatty source of omega-3 fatty acids. Some folks will take supplements using flax seeds, hemp seeds, chia seeds in different ways. All can be useful ways to get quality fat into the diet, but we need to make sure that it's a, a vital part of our diet and it's a vital part of our meal planning every day, every meal. Yeah, those are great points. I love how you have given so many natural hormone supporting alternatives than, you know, looking towards, you know, getting medicines like estrogen and things like that. These are things that you can readily use and get yourself, talk to your doctor about what's best for you following these great diets. Um, Yeah, that's great information. And I know, like you said, it's very important. We've mentioned this multiple times to have a great relationship with your gynecologist, with your primary care physician and finding someone who will actually listen to you. It's it's so vital. I know myself, I had to change doctors because I, I needed to find someone that would listen to my concerns and and, and do something with me and, and get things to work in the right direction. And I think that these kind of candid discussions are important, but do you have any other resources or suggest other groups that people can look towards to talk to one another about menopause? I'm sure there's more than what I can give you, but I will give you what I've started with. Um, And certainly I encourage women to continue to explore this area, continue to ask questions. And if you're not getting your questions answered, keep asking, but ask ask outside of where where you're not getting your answers. Um, Dr. Sarah Godfrey, she's a board certified gynecologist and Tracy, I'll send you some links after this, but she's been instrumental in helping to understand the female human body, the dynamic changes that go on and also a piece of functional medicine. And that's where a lot of these diet strategies come from. It's really looking at the symptoms and ways that we can help suppress or at least get a handle on some of these symptoms to regulate them, to start to feel a little bit better. Um, And so functional medicine teaches and talks significantly about nutrition and about how the impact of quality diet, sleep, exercise, stress reduction plays a significant role in our health and certainly in the regulation of our hormones as we walk through these stages of life. Yeah, thank you. We will definitely put any links that you provide for any other resources that you come across in the show notes because we want anyone to be able to access, you know, some great valid resources um, that they can they can look towards um, to just generate a list of questions. You know, we don't want anyone to go through this alone. And that's the point of having this discussion. Without a doubt. Yeah. So Jordan, are, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. I was just going to say there are other um, supporting mechanisms that gynecologists will use and can suggest for women who are experiencing this, especially if you're trying all these lifestyle factors and you're still at that place where, you know, I'm not quite getting enough or I'm not quite settled into this experience and I need more support. There are, mm-hmm. there's lots of research out there that talks about 
um, hormone replacement therapy and something called bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. So those are two areas that I would encourage women to start doing some reading about and to start asking some questions about for themselves and whether it fits their needs. Great. Yeah, that that's wonderful. You're always so full of information. I learn something every time I talk to you. And that's why I love when you're a guest, because it just means so much. And thank you again for taking a moment to share your insight and all your wisdom and knowledge on the subject. And uh, yeah, I just appreciate you so much. And thank um, you, Tracy. Yeah. And if anyone, (laughs) my passion is certainly in nutrition without a doubt in any area in life in our human body that I can find a way to help someone that that is, that's where my, my love truly is. So I will understand and, and try to share as much as I can. So thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. And if anyone does have a question, they're welcome to email us at where you matter at altcare.com. And I will get that over to joy and we'll share it on social media because it's, you're probably not the only person that has that question. Without so, a doubt. No. Without well, a thank doubt. you. Thank you again, Joy. I really appreciate your time. You're great. Great. Have a great day. You too.